I think the people of this country have had enough of experts. The science If you count the legal votes, I easily win. It is time to get This candle smells like my vagina. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello. I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, oh, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Every country has its charming little games and customs. And this week in Britain, we've invented a whole new one. Because on Thursday, all of us spent the day desperately reading gas meters, photographing them from seven angles, spending two hours trying to send the numbers to a crashed website, while family members hyperventilated and someone muttered, take six deep breaths, dear, and try again. Because the next day, the price was going up by 2 million percent. And hopefully this sense of fun from companies such as EDF and E.ON will carry on. And we can play this jolly game every year. It can become like searching for Easter eggs. And we'll all laugh about the time that Grandma didn't quite get her reading in on time, bless her. So she spent the next month living in the sideboard, clutching her budgie inside her nightgown to keep warm. Next year, they'll make it more interesting. It'll be like the squid game. And you won't know when, but at some point in March, a siren will go off. And when it does, everyone has five minutes to get their meter reading in. Otherwise, they'll be charged £85 million for making beans on toast. In a few years, it'll be a festival like Halloween. Each March the 31st, one person will dress up as the EDF man and walk through the streets howling, Ah, I have come to double your gas bill. Ha ha ha. And children will scream, don't make us have a bath in cold water again. Ah. And people will run from house to house looking into cupboards with a torch and then we'll all eat raw pizzas that we can't afford to cook to celebrate meter reading day. And this has happened because if we don't have an exact reading from the moment the price goes up, the energy companies can charge us for everything at the higher rate. That's why everyone was so desperate to get their readings in. Rishi Sunak said he understood, and I'm sure he did. I expect him and his wife were on their hands and knees in the cupboard under the stairs, trying to read their meter, going, this is awful. From now on, we're going to have to fit an energy-saving chandelier in the spare ballroom when we're not using it. And we won't be able to heat the desert for the cactusorium in the airing cupboard. And with the price of aviation fuel, we're going to have to cut down on the number of times we use the space shuttle to put the bins out. The energy companies have been given a licence to do whatever they fancy. Next week, it will be announced that due to rocketing fuel prices, energy companies can now marry one person from every household that they choose. And it will be considered a great honour to hand your sister over to Scottish Power. The government gives advice on how to shop around for cheaper tariffs because it's our responsibility to see which of the big six suppliers are slightly less impossibly expensive than the others. It's like the police saying, uh, there have been a lot of robberies in this area lately, so we've decided to crack down. We've set up an app so that you can contact all the muggers in your area and arrange which one you would like to hold you at knife point and run off with your bank card, because it's all down to you. 
This is why you'll find government websites that give advice such as save money on boiling water by filling a pan and taking it to your local crematorium to pop it on the furnace during a funeral to enjoy a well-earned brew. If you want to heat your dinner instead of switching the oven on, why not pop down to your nearest Formula One race and pop your plate onto the engine of Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes? To save money on your electricity bills instead of switching the lights on at night, have a seance and see if you can summon up a Victorian ghost who's carrying a lamp. And this will also help because screaming is an ideal way to keep your body temperature up. The only people that aren't told by the government how to reduce energy costs are the energy companies who set the costs. And I suppose there's no point in ordering them about as they're completely helpless. Since 2010, they've paid £200 billion to their shareholders. But there's nothing they can do to stop that. Their prices and profits just keep shooting up until eventually they'll own the universe and creatures from other galaxies will wonder why they have a bill for £580 from British gas. And the government says you can't subsidise energy prices because it's literally impossible. And if you say, but the French have done it, they say, well... Yes, I mean, it would certainly take millions of people out of fuel poverty and rebalance the economy and perhaps save a number of lives, but you have to weigh up the advantages of that against the disadvantages, which are that it would mean we were copying the French, and no government could be seen to act in such a fashion. What the fuck is going on? This week, the draw for the 2022 World Cup was made. I'm not an expert on World Cup draws, but luckily we have with us somebody who is, George Galloway. Let me put it to you, FIFA. Your so-called World Cup drawer is redolent of the fetid stench of corruption which lingers at the heart of your vino institution. Your refusal to include countries such as Palestine, Syria, Venezuela and Glasgow on the spurious technicality that they were repeatedly trounced in the qualifying groups does you no credit. The pairing of Iran versus USA is reminiscent of the glorious occasion when the noble Iranian heroes rose up to defeat the great Satan, avenging centuries of Western imperialist malfeasance and treachery. Thanks to a 40th-minute header from Hamid Astiliaf, there's some good work on the wing from the boy Sarinci in the 1998 World Cup. History will condemn your transparent attempt to include England in the same group as the USA, no doubt to form a coalition team against Iran, both playing at once, illegally occupying the penalty area under the secret tutelage of Mr Blair and Mr Bush through the puppet Gareth Southgate. That, FIFA, if that is indeed your real acronym, is why I shall not be watching the 2022 World Cup, although I shall of course endeavour to complete my Panini World Cup sticker album.
Now, one of the joys of doing a podcast is that uh, it's just likely to go haywire, a bit like when you were watching sort of regional television in 1971, and all of a sudden they'd go across to somebody in Belfast and you'd hear, and when I was a child, I used to find that hilarious. This is the podcast version. I've tried to do this podcast in a number of different localities this week. To start with, it was all set up to do it in a nice hotel in Wales, but they wouldn't let me in. Yeah, you know, I could perfectly understand that, but it wasn't anything to do with past records. It was just, no, you're, you're not booked in to come in here, see? So I was, and then it took them about an hour and a half to discover that, by which time I wasn't able to do the podcast in the way that I thought I would be able to do. And then, when I could get to the hotel, there was no signal. Now, I'm not going to blame the Welsh for that, because the signal's got to go up to space and back. So it could be anywhere between Wales and space. So please, Welsh people, don't think I'm blaming you. It's possibly you, but it could be anywhere else between Wales and space and back. And so uh, the signal went, and that meant that when I tried to talk to the absolutely lovely guest this week, who was Marina Perkis, who was full of wonderful, eloquent stories, the signal kept cutting out, so I wasn't able to do it. So then I had to go to North Devon, and I was lying on the floor in a dance studio in the theatre with a coat over my head, because in a dance studio there was absolutely nothing to deaden the sound at all. That's as technical as I'm ever going to get. And so to stop it being really, really echoey, I had to like crawl under a coat and some old curtains that I found. Just mad. If anyone had come in, I'd have just been taken straight away or I felt like I was making a report from Kiev. <laughs> One of these people sort of, uh, I'm here underneath it in these really appalling conditions. And um, anyway, it just didn't work in the end. So all of that is a very, very long-winded excuse, sir, if I was not doing in, putting in my homework, to say that that is why the sound quality is all over the place. It's from about 35 different locations, lots of different countries, and the wonderful Marina Perkis will be on very, very soon when we can have her on, when you can hear her all. But you will be able to hear about 10 minutes or so of an interview that I did with very, very fine man, Mr. Jeff Norcott. And the rest of that is all available on Patreon. I think that's all the things I have to say to you. There we are. It's marvellous that it goes out at all. I'm astonished that the kettle works. Oh, what the fuck is going on? Now, as anyone who's heard me on this podcast at any point knows, then in the, the quest to find out what the fuck is going on, you need expert opinion from across the spectrum of age and sexuality and the spectrum of nuttiness. No good just having people who are 50% nutty like most comics. You've got to have people that are you know, the odd one who's 0% nutty. We get rid of those, really. And completely do lally. So, I am now extremely pleased to have with me someone who um, is so much of an expert, Mr. Jeff Norcott. Hello, sir. Hello, Mark. I'm, I'm just trying to calculate which end of the nutty spectrum I'm at. I, <laughs> you don't have to say. It's, you know, maybe it'll just become clear over the, the conversation. Well, as long as you're at least 50. Yeah, you've got me that. That's a sort of entry level. It's like having a C at maths and English to do A levels. Yeah, yeah that's you know. exactly, exactly. But of course, yeah. there are the, there's comics that come into it with just a bit of nutty, and I rather think that this is a sort of very important choice in my career at this point. And you know, they're really not going to manage it, aren't they? Well, I think that there needs to be something broken that can never be fixed, and mm. it doesn't have to be 
like fundamental. It doesn't have to be something that's going to destroy your life, but it has to be unfixable, I think. Yes. Because that's what keeps you getting up there. That's that's what gets you doing a job where essentially you have to audition for it every single time you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So I was just doing, oh God, I just before this, doing a very, very, one of those interviews that um, it sort of helps if you've got a bit of experience. Because you know when you do an interview with someone mm. and they've just got no sense of humour and whatever you say, <sighs> they go, right, I see. So that's, um, <laughs> I can understand that that would be a problem. And, and would that be a comfort to you if it, no, no, I wasn't, I was joking. I haven't, I didn't really invent pickled onions. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but the fact that you feel a desire to have, to do you feel that you really need to make more of a mark in the country than you have done? Not really. It was a fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> But you get it when when you're uh, touting the tour, uh, as I am, and you do the local radio thing, I've often yeah. found that they've got a lot better over the years, but you will get some guy, normally one of the older guys, that will just go, hey, Jeff, you know, welcome to uh, Radio <laughs> Chemistry. Uh, let me tell you what I think comedy's about. And you go, right, well, what, what an opening gambit. <laughs> let me tell you, I think comedy is basically, isn't it? Isn't it? It's about seeing things and then taking it to an audience. You go, okay, well, you know, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, I'll be in Plymouth on Saturday. You've, <laughs> yes. you've kind of covered everything. Or they go... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, That's uh, we've had all the news there from Kiev, but, uh, I mean, now we're going to really lighten the mood. Anything can happen now. It's going to be absolutely crazy. He's with us. He's been on the telly and the radio. I can't remember what on. But um, Mark's still... <laughs> Mark, what are you up to right now? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Or they laugh when you really do say the serious thing. I mean, we're, we're basically we're, we're kind of cutting off any chance of future promo here by by slagging off every single approach uh, to it. I like them though. I really like them. I think they're quite a laugh. And uh, and then my get out is because I sort of you know for reasons to do with the sort of thing I do. I know the town, mm. so I'm usually able to just not answer the question. And say, oh right, so um, in Bungie, have they still got that bloke who lives on a roundabout and feeds chickens, and that sort of throws them off a little bit? I mean, if politicians um, learnt that, they'd be they'd be really good at not answering questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they stand up in the comments, because they often say, oh, there's news, there's a new steel plant. They say, has oh, it still got that bloke from the Second World War that marches up and down between the hours of ten and eleven? Yeah. And he thinks he's the king of Burma. Him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the major. Everyone go, oh, the major. Bang. Yeah. Re-elected. And then afterwards, they go, oh, no. Keir Starmer go, oh, no, I completely forgot my follow-up question about unemployment. <laughs> now, here's the thing, because this did make me think that there's a, one of many similarities between the way we're seeing Jeff. Is I, so, I, well, this is a question I got asked. This is literally the mm. question she asked me in amongst lots of personal things about how do you feel when you see your son performing and all sorts of stuff like that and stuff that I've done with the show about adoption. And so was that a great comfort to you? And questions that you think, oh, like if you were a social worker, that'd be annoying. <laughs> but then she said, so Mark, I should ask you, what do you think is the current prognosis in Ukraine? Mm. Now, I'm not sure that Frank Carson or Cannon and Ball ever got asked a question like that. They, yeah, no, they didn't. Falklands questions. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the Falklands, and we fella goes into That's what he'd have said. But, um, yeah, just hear about the Archie, goes in and knows he's got a parrot. And go. But that's, I sort of want to do that. But you, do you get that? Do you yeah. get a lot, you must get a lot of that, do you? 
Well, I saw an article recently that I thought was quite shrewd in a way. I, I resisted the article at first because it seemed to be coming down on the side of uh, criticising the kind of comedians that I tend to like. But I thought that the author made a very, the journalist made a very good point, which was that we we have a bit of cakeism, don't we? If we say something profound, we want everyone <laughs> to go, "Oh, wasn't Jeff profound then?" But the moment that it's not profound or funny, we just like, I'm, I'm just a guy talking <laughs> about stuff. I, I think annoyingly that criticism does land to a point. I, what what I've sort of thought recently, and and perhaps the reason I haven't done as many newsy type things or popped up on some of the things like GB News or places that people might have expected to see me is that I don't know you you just changing your career and I've spoken a lot about the divisive stuff you know and the stuff that has real edge and and I just want to be funny more now I know that sounds like really daft but if I can see a way that I could bring a different point of view to a discussion like I was on Adrian Charles recently and they were talking about you know some of the consequences of that conflict and and I just had a thought which was in a lot of ways one thing we're going to have to do is decide whether we're willing to be poorer to do the right thing you know now so if I can offer an opinion like that that is is a bloke's opinion you know that that is not trying to mix it with the ambassador you know or the special envoy or people like that so yeah I, I've sort of perhaps scaled down I mean, I also did any questions for Radio 4 recently and uh, I think the subjects were Railways Shamima Begum and I was just sitting there just wanting to die I thought mm. oh, there's no way and the audience were really staring dead ahead like they expected I mean it's going to sound odd sorry as I'm talking a lot now it's going to sound odd they're not as much of a laugh as the question time audience the only questions crowd <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like a, it's not as good a gig it's not genuinely not it's cause genuinely the, not is it because the roof's too high and the jokes just disappear is it that the compare's shit they're still serving drinks in the interval and you know there's a lot of movement in the room yeah fucking hell Fiona Bruce is a fucking good compare to be honest she warms them up so I mean mate she 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 came through <laughs> she started doing bow uh, she had to come on after Ricky Grover and manage the movement in the room. So, I mean, that's a fucking niche joke, isn't it? But, but, but I remember David uh, um, uh, Dimbleby. Is it David? Yeah, yeah. yeah David Dimbleby. He, it was funny because I we did I, the, the first one I did was in the East End and it was with Diane Abbott on and it was real like in the middle of Brexit stuff and and he said to me, look, just so you know, in London they're not as much, you know, they don't laugh as much. He goes, but you do this up in Birmingham, great crowd. I thought, oh, that's interesting for him. It is like a circuit. He does yeah, it lots yeah. of weeks of the year. Yeah. He knows you know, who, where you can take the piss out of the locals and stuff. So, so yeah, I suppose in answer to your question, I, I do find it odd sometimes and I've probably tried to tweak what I'm doing a bit more towards the funnier, lighter end of things again. I think, Jeff, you're about, let's see, I'm going to think of a percentage. I think you're about 60% along the route that I went along because uh, I used to do question time and any questions and stuff like that. Mm. And something that really... I did question time. The last time I did it was about seven or eight years ago. And it was really popular amongst the, you know, amongst certain people. And I was profoundly depressed afterwards. And I thought, this isn't what I want to be, you know. Mm. I felt... Do you know what I felt like? I felt like a gay person who was pretending to be straight. <laughs> And his wife goes, you are so good at sex. And inside I was thinking, yeah, but that's not what I am. Yeah. And the rest of that interview that goes on for some length and is absolutely fascinating, that contains all manner of magnificent revelations, is available on Patreon that you can hear at, uh, if you just go onto the Patreon website. And the very lovely Marina Perkis will be on in a total glory at some point in the very, very, very near future because she was very splendid. What the fuck is going on? A lot of people are understandably 
very anxious about the huge increase in energy prices, especially this woman who I overheard in a cafe the other day. We had the most awful business reading the meter on time because the nanny was so confused, she kept looking at the gas meter and obviously we meant the Prosecco meter as we had a tank fitted so that our taps are now cold, hot and Prosecco. And we can't cut back on energy because we need electricity because we've got a wire which gives the nanny a mild shock if she tries to help herself to the posh chocolates. She's allowed a Malteser on a Monday but if you don't discipline her, she tries to take a Lindor. Nectarine needs electricity because she's doing a project at school to see how much electricity is wasted by mining bitcoins and she's only managed to mine 0.0000000001% of a bitcoin so it would be such a waste to stop now and then Tara from the spin class couldn't find where her meter was so Colin had to go around to help her look for it he was gone for ages and when he got back he explained that he'd kindly fixed off a generator to produce electricity from her peloton Oh, he's got so little free time because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. Calvados, our homeopath, says that instead of electricity, you can use dandelions dissolving vinegar. But when our nanny tried to power my Nutribullet, she electrocuted herself and the shock sent her flying backwards and totally smashed the patio doors. So now we're making her wear a solar panel until she's absorbed enough sunlight to pave them. And now she's complaining that it's too heavy and she can't stand up. But that's it with some people. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, can I get an extra patio heater for my panini? What the fuck is going on? If you are enjoying this podcast as I sit here in a little corner of Wales, I'm not even really sure from where. But if you are enjoying it, then you can help support it by signing up to Patreon. That is the marvellous news as the world marches on in its jolly way. Go to patreon.com and search for what the fuck is going on with Mark Steele. And it's like a private membership to this podcast. It's like you will be in, I don't know what they're all called, Soho House, Groucho Club, the Garrett Club, the Carlton Club, or the Claremont Club. All the sort of clubs that uh, you could only get in if you were uh, worth 75 billion pounds. Those sorts of places. But this is only £4 a month. I suspect the Claremont Club is rather more. And you will get ad-free versions of this podcast. So no annoying, irritating people telling you to buy things that you clearly don't fucking want or you already have them. And you will get bonus sketches. This week there will be deceased cricketer Fred Truman giving us his, his opinions. And they are always, they're very, very valuable. I mean, there's The Economist have been trying to get him for years. And they're always after him on news night and stuff. But he's got an exclusive contract with us. And if you'd like access to all of that bonus stuff, get ad-free versions of every episode and an extensive interview with Mr. Chaparat Kosandi that we did just after Nazanin Zagori Ratcliffe came out of a little hostage situation. All of that is up on the Patreon-only bits and pieces. There we are. This is why I don't do adverts, because if I was doing an advert for Toyota cars, I'd go, uh, yeah, there's a... Fuck, it goes, doesn't it? I think, or something might break down, but probably be all right most of the time. If you would like access to all of that stuff and the first chance to buy tickets at a discounted price for live shows that we will be doing very, very soon, then follow the link on our Twitter page or search on Patreon. And for just four pounds a month, you will get all of that and help support this podcast that we're doing in various rooms in peculiar bits of the country. Now, various people have sent us messages asking us what the fuck is going on with certain issues. For example, at Tatty Jacket says, lots of talk of having a Margaret Thatcher Day. Now, I miss this a little bit 
But if I hadn't admitted it, I would have thought that this was a joke. But there, a Margaret Thatcher Day. Does every Prime Minister get one of these? Is there going to be a Gordon Brown Day and an Alex Douglas Hume Day and a Lord Campbell Bannerman Day? Do they all get them or is it just Margaret Thatcher for services to dismantling the entire industry of Britain? I, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? On What do we do on Margaret Thatcher Day? There's so many options. We all march down to the coast, we find a boat that is sailing away from us and then we shoot it and drown everybody on board and then claim that it was sailing towards us. Do we do that? At Tatty Jacket says, I'm totally in favour of this as long as we can have bonfires. Well, I suppose I don't know quite what you mean. I mean, the sort of old, you know, the thing people used to sing, put Margaret Thatcher on the bonfire and... But that's already been done, I'm afraid. So there's not a lot of um, purpose to that, either ideologically, politically, or even physiologically, really. She's she's not going to do much more damage now. At Robert Reed 10 says, Why do the clocks go forward on a Sunday morning? Why not put them forward, say, Monday at 2pm so we can all leave work or school early? And even for old people, it would mean that they can skip homes under the hammer and go straight into countdown. And England's batsmen might just scrape into tea as well. Uh, What would they miss, though? They'd skip homes under the hammer. But that would cause up... Then you'd get a revolution if that happened. Well, I mean, I don't mind all the Brexit and stopping foreign people coming over here and lockdowns where they carry on having parties. We all do that sort of thing, but they've changed the time the clocks go round and we've missed homes under the hammer. So I said to Ted, well, we can't have that. So we thought, well, we could write a letter to the council and complain. But in the end, we said, no, no, it's our duty. So we made some Molotov cocktails and we went down to the town hall and set fire to all the buildings. And well, the trial comes up and we've been convicted of terrorist offences. But You've got to stand up for, you know, same as Che Guevara. You can't just let them roll over you like that. Baron von Skinback at von Skinback says, I would definitely like to know why the Met Police are apparently just recruiting all new officers directly from the sex offender register. Now, that may seem cryptic, but I will illuminate. An article (laughs) that accompanies his message says, A Metropolitan Police Community Support Officer has admitted masturbating in a South London park. South London! Another one for us. After being filmed by a passerby. Kevin Phillips, 56, hopefully not the veteran striker who indeed scored Palace's winning penalty in the playoff final. No, it can't be him. 56 was caught on camera committing the act while wearing his uniform in Dog Kennel Hill Park. Oh, maybe thought it was called Dogging Kennel Hill Park. Dog Kennel Hill Park, East Dulwich. I know that park very well. Not because I use it for those purposes. You know, I am neither the masturbator or masturbatee or person who's filmed it, just to make that clear. But, oh, God, the coppers. And the terrible thing is that now you'd think, well, if that's all he's doing as a police officer, then we should probably leave him there on the bench, shouldn't we? At least he's not arresting people who are completely innocent or doing worse things than that. Maybe if all the police just went into their local park, tossed themselves off for a few hours, went back, maybe sort of community relations around the country would improve. 
The PCSO pleaded guilty to a charge of outraging public decency at Croydon Magistrates Court. I'm glad that this takes in Croydon as well. And he was released on bail. He's banned from every park in England and Wales as part of his bail conditions. Oh, no. Dad, can we go to the park? Uh, maybe one day. A member of the public filmed Phillips footage subsequently viewed thousands of times after it was shared online. No one comes out of this well. What member of the public filmed him? Who looked at it thousands of times after it was shared online? Oh, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Now, as anyone knows, if they have tried even a tiny amount to work out what the fuck is going on, you can't do it without a wide spectrum of views from across the generations. And that is why some years ago I bred someone who would be able to do that for me. Elliot Still, where are you today? I'm in uh, Meyerhofen in Austria. Austria. Mm. What takes you to Austria? I was part of the wonderful Altitude Comedy Festival. If anyone enjoys skiing and comedy, then this is the festival for you. It's, 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 the, best fest it's the best comedy festival there is. Oh, is it? Yeah, you should come do it. You just go up a mountain and do an incredibly dangerous activity, and then you go do some gigs. It's great. And then there's like snowboarding and skiing and stuff like that in between. Yeah, yeah, you do loads of that. You have to get up the mountain quite early. It sounds like one of those crazy sports that they have in the Winter Olympics. Like there's a skiing and shooting one, and I should imagine it will one day be part of the Winter Olympics. There'll be snowboarding and comedy. You have to snowboard down a mountain and then get seven laughs off an Austrian audience. And Elliot Steele, with his inadvertent pun about the about the name of an Austrian village, comes in for Britain in third place, just behind the wily Swiss. Good luck getting a laugh off an Austrian audience. It's mainly <laughs> British people who come out here. Austrians are the... Do you think Germans are bad? Austrians. Austrians are just... I don't know what is up with them. Don't, don't they want to know? No. You're not selling this. Having started saying this is the greatest comedy festival in the world. <laughs> I remember doing this show in uh, Norway with Justin Morehouse and it was a brilliant little insight into the sort of way that comedy doesn't just naturally happen culturally it's something that that is sort of learnt mm. because we did this show and Justin Morehouse was being so funny and he, they just weren't getting in and it, there was a table that was right at the front that had like eight seats around it with only one person sat on it so uh, Justin was going look at you mate you're on your own ain't you you're like someone at a wedding and there's been a big rift between the two halves of the guests and everyone's gone and you've gone fuck it I'm staying here I'm getting free sandwiches and you've just stayed on your own and there you are and he was being very very funny and very sort of comedic about this bloke and they weren't laughing at all and afterwards the woman who put the show on said to me we did not think it was funny because we thought he was being rather rude about the man and if he wants to sit on his own at the table that is his right to do so and I said but that's but it was joking he was joking about him and she just couldn't understand it and I thought oh it, it must take a while to learn these things <laughs> Yeah, well, Will Smith needs to learn these things then, don't he? All right, so this is the big comedy news. Every comic now is being asked around the world about the ethics and philosophy of whether or not it is good behaviour, bad behaviour to do jokes about a woman with alopecia, whether it's right for 
someone to get up and smack you in the mouth and then declare that you have to keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth <laughs> in that rather alarming sort of uh, Robert De Niro in Goodfellas way that he did it. What do you reckon? Yeah, I don't think it's a, a good thing. And I think what it clearly is, is Will Smith is Will Smith has some issues. But that's the thing, because he presents himself as Mr. Nice Guy in Hollywood. So there's a whole PR team of people behind him to control his life. And in that moment, he didn't have a PR team of people there to control him. That was who he is. He's not the guy who can sit there and take these kind of jokes. And, the, the, you know, they're a very talented family. They're very good. They're, he's very good at what he does. He's great in every field. The guy just oozes charisma. But behind that is a nasty person that he's trying not to show and there has shown. And I think, again, people made this point. Would he have gone up to do that to a, like, a Dave Chappelle? Someone like that? I don't think he would have. I think Chris Rock, you know, Chris Rock is quite a small man and he's gone up there and slapped him in the face. It's... It's just it's just shows you can't take a joke. So what are most you've been with all these comics in Austria? What is what's most people sort of side in one way or the other, are they? Well, the bit that we've been doing all week is last week's guest Kai Humphreys, I called uh, his his lovely wife a whore on stage and he came up and slapped me. And so that has been the running joke in every show all week. Right. Is everyone just yes. going up on stage and slapping each other? Uh, for for the littlest of things, yes, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> uh, which has been a lot of fun. But no, it's 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 insanity. It's it's insane. I did a benefit, a Ukraine benefit at the uh, Amsterdam Apollo on Wednesday night, and uh, Michael McIntyre was on, and he was uh, Angela Barnes was on just before him, and she sort of did a very good joke about Rishi Sunak and about his wife's even richer than she is, and he made a joke about his wife. And McIntyre went on, and his opening line was, um, well, we know that Richie Sunak's not in the audience because when he heard Angela's joke, he would have just come on, he would have come on, he would have come on and gone, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> it was very, very good. And, of course, the place went mental. And I uh, thought, well, bless you, Will Smith, you've made comedy quite easy for a few days. Yeah, there's this odd stake where people were going, oh, now the audience, because people are trying to make it about themselves, is it go, oh, now the audience is going to come up and start attacking us more. And you go, well, that already happened. Will Smith didn't start that. Everyone's been had a punch thrown at him or so. You're not a comic until someone's tried to attack you after a gig, in my opinion. (laughs) I did a gig once in Wrexham where I did a joke about these sort of rugby club boys who were very rugby club boyish in the audience. And then later on in the gig, I did a sort of bit of a joke about where I mentioned somebody dying or somebody like that. And this bloke shouted out, one was part of a little gang, he went, I know when you're going to die, about 30 seconds after you come off that fucking stage. And everybody sort of went, ooh, as if like, oh no, they really mean it. And I had this car at the time that wasn't working very well and it needed a bit of a push for a start. And when I came off, I thought, oh, crap. Christ, I've got to get away from these rugby people. And so the bloke who put the gig on, he took me out this sort of little back way around the kitchen and all that sort of stuff and said, yeah, oh, you'll just run straight to your car and you'll be all right. And as I was sort of like leaving, I went, oh, you couldn't give us a push as well, would you? And I ended up running to the car with these three or four other blokes protecting me. Then the rugby club people saw that this was happening, chased after us. I got in the car and these other people had to push me and I just about got away in time. And that, Chris Rock, done a very fucking born. 
when he's run across a bloody Wrexham car park with some rugby club people in pursuit, knowing that the alternate has busted and therefore he needs a push to start the bloody thing. That would have been good if the Oscars had ended up like that. What, they had to push his limo? Will Smith's just chasing after it like Terminator 2. <laughs> and uh, how long is this going to last then, this, this uh, keep my wife's mouth out your fucking mouth punchline? Is there some people who are going to keep trying this for years and years? Oh, it's over already. It's already boring. I think the next thing Will Smith has to do is like, you know, he's got to one-up it. Next year at the Oscars, he's got to go on and spin him back heel, Kevin Hart. <laughs> Thank you very much for illuminating us as to what the fuck is going on. Elliot Steele. What the fuck is going on? Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, which this week has been magnificently difficult to do. I feel a little bit like those people who are working for the BBC on the roof of a building that's being shelled and they still carry on and they've got it easy compared to this. But the main thing is we are now available on Patreon. So if you wish to become a supporter and get ad-free versions and exclusive content, please sign up for that, just £4 a month. And if you've liked the podcast, rate it. And if you could be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, definitely write a review. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will do our best. In fact, we will do better than our best. We absolutely will look at all the messages that you send. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Jeff Norcott and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele, James Serafinovich and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced and edited by Matt and Scott at Podmonkey. What the fuck is going on is a co-production between Podmonkey and Concept Industries. <laughs>